What's going on, everybody? It's After Hours Live for the Man Cave. This is your host, Tay Wags. This is my co-host, Mark Sainz. All right, man. First and foremost, games on last night, 76ers and the Raptors. I picked, I picked the Raptors to win this in six. So the ball didn't bounce that way. The, play, the team played lack of a days ago. Kawhi Leonard was still doing Kawhi Leonard things. He had 29 points and 12 rebounds. Watching the game last night, I was tired of them saying about, keep saying how big his hands is. Oh, my God, you see how big those things are? They are enormous. I mean, we know, he, we know he got big hands. That's the reason why they call him the claw. But outside of Kawhi Leonard, what I took away from the game, I said, if the Raptors want to win this game, you, gotta get, you have to get good production from these three players, Marcus Saul, Danny Green, and also Serge Ibaka. They didn't give you none of that last night. It's a lot of misses. It looked like the old Toronto Raptors team when they had DeMar DeRozan and them guys. But I still got faith in the Raptors to close this out when they can go back home to Jurassic Park. Now, when they, I always say, when you go back home in your time, you sleep better, the food tastes better, and the atmosphere is a little bit different. The fans are on your side. So the road guys will have to step up. Like I said, these three final guys got to give me more. Marcus All gave me seven on three. He was three for eight when he took eight shots. Danny Green, he was two for eight on eight, on eight points. Of course, he had two three pointers. And, and these guys got to step it up. I thought Kyle Lowry had a, a pretty a decent game, but when they win, Kyle Lowry has when they win games, Kyle Lowry averaged seventeen points. So they need to step it up if they want to beat this seventy-two team. What do you take away from this? Um, this, this this series right now, plus last night, Mark is going into a game seven. Who you get that edge to? Oh uh, no, man! I don't. I really don't know. I want to say Toronto based on uh, how the series just been going. You know, I was real surprised that Philly uh, came back and won last night. I thought they were, like you said, I thought it was over in six myself too. You know, because you know Joel Embiid wasn't playing like his normal self. You got Ben no jumper is out there. Just not contributing offensively at all, but you know, yesterday they they turned this around. You know, Jimmy buckets, man, Jimmy Butler, you know, put on a cape yesterday for him and uh really saved a uh, playoff life. Because if he yeah. didn't do it at the beginning of that uh that that game, they would have been going home for sure. So if if Jimmy Butler can do exactly what he did at home yesterday in Toronto. I think Philly may shock them and win this series. Right, because the last time that these two teams met, I think Allen Irison went on to beat the Milwaukee Bucks in the Game 7 in the Eastern Conference Finals, I believe. So, looking at that... Right, I think... That's crazy. I think it played out exactly like it was Philly uh, versus Toronto. You know, they had VC. VC you know, had the whole graduation thing. He went to graduation, came back Game Was it Game 7? Missed a shot. Then Philly went to Milwaukee. Milwaukee right. was the favorite there. And they, uh, you know, came out on top on that one, too. So it's eerily similar to when Iverson made that uh, finals run. Right. Like I said, Jimmy Butler was the reason. Jimmy Butler was handling the rock better than Ben Simmons was that night. We keep saying how every time that Ben Simmons gets in the post, he turns around and look who's, who's guarding him. He sees Kawhi Leonard. He always just the ball out. He's scared to take that jump shot. He had ample of times to get to the hole 
and hit a jump shot. He wouldn't shoot the he wouldn't even shoot the fifteen footer. He wouldn't even shoot his little patent hook shot that he normally shoots. He just dumped the ball up against someone else. And right. 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 You do need to lock yourself in the gym room for about eight hours a day and go to work because I just feel like if he just find that jumper, man, he, he's, he's a special talent. But when you can't shoot, nobody trusts you. Nobody trusts you. Like, you're looking at the person I want to give praises to, the outfit who stole the show, was Tobias Harris. Coming up big. Tobias yeah, Harris is coming he up. He was coming up big. He used 16 points, 9 rebounds, and 5 assists. That's huge. That's a huge factor right there. Just not know You know. It's just certain guys. That, this team only been together for what? They play what? This their what? I think it was what, 18th or 17th game together as a unit to make it this far in the playoffs. That's pretty cool because a lot of players, a lot of teams, I mean, a lot of GMs and coaches that put teams together on the fly after all-star break are just trying to find themselves. But to find some type of continuity to go out there and do what they're doing at this type of level, at this time of season where everybody's hurt and trying to fight their way to the top to get that championship ring, that's a pretty awesome look. Just, just to know that this team has what it takes to get the win. Tobias Harris played a huge role. I thought last night J.J. Reddick was finding his shots as well. They was going in. Jolene B. gave you 17-12. That's a Jolene B. game. But Ben, like you said, Ben no jumper Simmons is finding different ways to score the ball. He was attacking the basket last night really hard. And he had 21 points and 8 rebounds and 6 assists. That's not too bad for a guy who doesn't have a jumper but a key attacking the hole. And he was getting a lot of, uh, you know, he was doing that man work. He was down in the paint, getting tip-ins, you know, so he's getting rebounds and points at the same time. You know, that tip-in is the best way to do that. Uh, he was out there scrambling for loose balls. You know, he somebody must have talked to him or something because he, he came out with a different mindset this game. He's like, yeah, I know I've got a jumper, but if I do all these little things, I can still impact offensively. But he still got to get a jumper. <laughs> If they make it to the finals, I would be shocked. I would not put my money on that. I'm saying they're gonna lose if they win this round by some miracle, and they go and play, play Milwaukee. They're gonna lose to Milwaukee. I can't see them, you know, making it to the finals where one of their main players is scared to shoot. It just, I don't see it happening. It's a difference, too, when Mike Scott is out there, too, to give you 11 points off the bench to go along with four rebounds. That's huge. Because sometimes, to me, he'd be looking lost out there. And you're looking at how the 76ers took control of this game. They out-rebounded the Raptors, 52-34. to 34. You just can't win if you're not defending the glass. Nine, look, the Raptors had nine offensive rebounds. The Sixers had 16. They owned the defensive rebounds. The 76ers, 36-25. to 25. There's a plus 11 on that side. So you're looking at... Three-point percentage. The Raptors shot all four again, 25% to the to the 76ers, 35, which is pretty much like the normal. I think the normal making the NBA is about 36, 38%. But when you when the team is saying 35% on three-pointers, not so you're going to lose that game. But you need for the Raptors certain guys to step up, not knowing that you're not getting no playing time for a Jeremy Lin, who I thought would be a nice look. You got Patrick McCall. Patrick McCall, you know I got to do it, Marcus. Uh-oh. <laughs> guy gave me four minutes with no points. One assist. He didn't even attempt to take a shot. But if you enter in four NBA minutes, champion. NBA champion Patrick McCall? NBA <laughs> champion Patrick McCall. When you're out there for at least four or five minutes, you got to at least give me two points, man. So you got to give me something. You got to contribute. But 
If Philly want to win this game, they got to come back out and play the same way. Can they, can they duplicate that? No, it's always hard on the road to win a game seven. The reason why Philly won a game seven, they were at home, I believe. Right. I think they were at home when they won a game seven. So now the, the, these roles have changed. Different players, same, same teams in the same cities. I think the outcome would be different. I'm sticking with the Raptors to get this done at home. I'm looking for the Raptors to win this game by a plus 12. I'm looking for big games from uh, Danny Green, and I think Kyle Lowry will come up big at home. And the, one, the reason why I think they lose in this series, they're missing the key player too, OG Obanobi for the Raptors. Mm-hmm. So you have, if you had your other, your other swing man out there, this would be a different series. Maybe they would have won this in five. But he would probably be back. If they win, he'd probably be back for the Eastern Conference Finals. Would be a, that would be even more deadly because you got another guy who can stretch the floor and hit shots. So you got uh-huh. out there, but you get him back, it's going to be a great series. But they got to do something about the three-pointer as a team. It was 9 for 36, the Raptors was. All right. Uh, some of you always text me, you live by the three, you die by it. Up at three. Then you look at them, you go to the Denver Nuggets, and the Portland Trailblazers, I, I, you text me, you say, you, you say Portland heating up. I said, no, man, Denver got this. So, going through the game, I think if they want to win certain key role players, stuff like, like your Tory, your Tory Craig, who I thought had an awesome game until he fouled out late in the fourth quarter. Um, he had ten points, four rebounds. But Mo Harkless, where has he been in this series? Like, even though they won two, as a starter, he's giving me two points and three rebounds. Not enough. Not um, enough at all. <laughs> same thing. Seven points, two rebounds. Not enough. So you're going back to Denver. Like I said, I'm rolling with Denver, 5,280 feet versus the Portland Trailblazers. That's going to be a tough game to close out. But this right. is Denver's second game seven this year. They're the youngest team in the NBA and the remaining in the playoffs. Can this young team beat a veteran team like the Portland Trailblazers? That's a good look. If this young team go out there and beat the Portland Trailblazers in seven, I'm taking the Nuggets to win this series. I need Paul Paul Millsap had a good game. I can't jump down his throat. 17 points and six rebounds. You can't get mad about that. You got you got the Joker after Nikolai Jokic, 29, 12, and eight. Played an awesome game, so he fouled out. Gary Harris played well. Jamal Murray, man, I don't like. I'm still marking. I'm saying every time we get in the foul, I do not know how he make that wrong foot floater. Almost like he come down about to travel, but as soon as you think you better put that foot on the ground, that foot. I mean, that foot. Lift it up. He lifts it up, and, it go, and, he, and the shot go in up the net, man. 24 points, 10 rebounds, 5 assists. Willie Barton, 7 and 4 points. This, this is just – I can't say nobody really had a bad game because for either team, I just want to say about Denver, if they want to win the game, they have to take care of the ball. Yeah, they do. Fouls, uh, not, not switching no man on defense. And they shot 37% from the free, I mean, three-point line. With how they lost this game, they shot they shot a team collectively 38%. You're just not going to get a win like that when you shoot 38% from the um, from the field. And you got the Portland shooting at 46. And I'm looking at the Portland Trailblazers, all them guys, man. I'm looking at like, man, this is unbelievable because Rodney, you said, Mark, this your guy, Rodney. No good. Rodney, no good. It was all good yesterday in his hood. Rodney Hood, 
off the bench, 25 points in 31 minutes. When the Cavaliers in the NBA Finals, I was like, okay, we got Rodney Hood, the, the, the lefty from Duke that can shoot the threes and he can defend. And we didn't see any of that. We know he had twin twin girls around that. I think he had twin twin. I think it was a twin girls around that time too as well. Right. Kind of had a lot going on. But I didn't see none of this production last year for the Cavaliers. We might get a game here and there, and he like he could do seventeen or thirteen, but he was a no call. In the NBA Finals, didn't want to go in when the team really needed him. And his character played a good good role, gave you six points and 14 rebounds. C.J. McCollum, man. C.J. McCollum, 30.6 rebounds. And, hey, Demi Lillard, his step back threes from 30 feet. Yeah. It's, um, it's real. It's unreal, man. Like, who, 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 who jab steps like that on a dime and then come back with a step back and shoot threes like that and make sure they go in? This guy is all world, man. Right. And everybody said, man, James had that. Well, he's a all-star for a reason, folks. Right. Right, yeah, I think, uh, so, no more Rodney, no good. Right. Another guy that saved the season, like similar to uh, Jimmy Buckets in the Philly series. He, he came in and saved the season because I think he uplifted Dame and CJ. I think Dame and CJ, you know, they probably ain't going to say it. You'll probably never, you know, get it from them. Um, you know, just from, you know, physical, like how they, you know, addressing the game. But they was getting down. And then Rodney Hood came in, dropped his 25, and I was like, oh, we got somebody, you know, that's going to help us. And they upped their game after that. And then once Rodney started, you know, getting in the post, hitting them uh, mid-range fadeaways over uh, whoever they had guarding them. You know, they kept putting little guys on them. Uh, I think at one point they had uh, Beasley on them. He was just shooting over him, um, and then they put, uh, then they switched it up, and they tried to put Willie Barton on him. That didn't work. He just was going. He was, he was in a zone that, like, like I said, like I wish he had gotten to last year in the finals. Right. But, you know, it come down to the stars. It, it, he could have had his twenty five, but if Dave and CJ didn't do what they normally do, they would have lost this game. All right. Uh, I'm going to give a shiny moment to this guy off the bench. Zach Collins, the former okay. big man from Gonzaga. Came off the bench okay. with 14 points and four rebounds, which is good. Like I said, role player guys and bench guys play good at home. The crowd is behind them. If people don't realize, okay, your, your star player gonna be, is going to be the guy. But realistically, watching the NBA, when that guy come off the bench, the fans love the bench players because the bench players don't play that much. It's easy for the fans to gravitate towards the bench player because they got like a lot in common. Like, you know what? I'm sitting down. They sitting down. They number is called. They go in, and, and people cheer for the bench guys. So the whole thing about Zach Collins and Rodney Hood, they had to duplicate this in the game seven on the road. They got to match that same intensity and bring that same fire and passion to game seven in Denver. And, and they and they have to. I mean, when you you got guys, when you got those two guys come off the bench combined for thirty nine points and eight rebounds, that's hard to stop. And Zach, I think they said what Zach Collins is what the fifth guy. I think is NBA history to come off the bench to get fourteen to get fourteen points and five rebounds. I mean, I mean, I mean not five rebounds and five blocks. That's huge. Wow. Off the bench, that's ten wow. points taken off the board. So just imagine if they would have scored them ten points right there. You talk about easy. You said easy. Uh, this game could be either be an overtime or Portland lost by one. That's that's just for one. 
then two, even though Evan Turner is our donut guy, <laughs> he played. He played a, I'm not gonna jump that stuff for not scoring 19 points. But the thing I like about it though, he had 19. He had 19 minutes with no points. Practiced up with seven rebounds and seven assists. You can't go wrong with that, Mark. All right. That's seven extra, seven extra chances at buckets. And right. then, you know, 14 points off assists. Or, you know, if there were threes, you know, it could even be more. So he, uh, Evan Turner has always been like a facilitator to me. Um, you know, even though it is, like, he, he do still got to put up at least, get a layer of free throw. Oh. So if they're going to, you know, win this game seven, every, like you said, everybody got to duplicate what they did yes last night in game six. I, I think it is kinda unlikely, but you know, like I've been riding this Portland Trailblazers bandwagon since uh since they surprised me and beat OKC. I'm gonna stick with I'm gonna stick with it. I'm gonna stay uh you know day take this game seven by the throat and I think he he put another dagger. I think he uh in Denver season. Uh with a big game in game seven. So you think he's gonna end the season? I yeah, think trusting in Dane. Me personally, I'm thinking the uh, I'm taking the Nuggets on this on this one. I think we're gonna see Jamal Murray start off strong because you know for the last two games he's been starting off kind of late, but going to get going in the third quarter. You need you need for him to win to get going right away immediately. Just imagine this one this one guy we're not talking about who's on the roster, but he's injured. I'm going to say uh, Michael Porter Jr. Just imagine if they get this young kid back. What would this kid look like then? I mean, if he playing like the number one overall, overall high school prospect, Michael Porter, they're going to be favorites. I mean, I would even consider them, you know, on par with the Warriors because of how they – how they defend and how they run their offense is very similar. You know, like they defend and their defense leads to them, you know, running a break. You know, they have a high-paced offense, but, you know, uh-huh. because they rely on their defense to get them out, you know, get take away uh, baskets from the opponent and then get out, you know, in the open court. With him, you know, to add, you know, just another talent, you know, and he's a big guy. He's long. You know, he can shoot. He got a little – he got a handle. You know, he, he has, like, an all-around game. So, that'll put them over the top. Even if KD and all those guys stay in the Warriors, I say they'll be on par with the Warriors next year. If he come back and he's, you know, somewhat of his old self in high school. But, you know, it. on top of that, he ain't played any high school. I mean, he ain't played any college or NBA games now. So, I don't think that's probably going to happen. It's going to be a huge jump for him. But I think... If he stays healthy the whole season, though, know, from beginning to end, he could potentially be ready in the playoffs to contribute. That's how I was feeling about the uh, what they're going to do with the, with that situation. You talk about another guy you can put in your lineup when Gary Harris not going. They got potentially a nice team that can that can get buckets. Imagine if they could use him right now in the playoffs. How this would look now? Could the series be over? And six, who knows? Because this guy hasn't played basketball now for what? Was it a full season? So, like two, yeah, like two full seasons now. Two, two, oh, it's two full seasons. So he's on the Joel Embiid injury list. That's what I call it. You missed that many. <laughs> you missed that many games. 
and you got and you come back with that type of fight, I think that team would be deadly. So I'm going to Nuggets in that one. The game I've been wanting, I can't wait to get to talk about was the Houston Rockets. So the Houston Rockets blew a game. Interesting. Kevin Durant gets hurt, right? He hurt his what? They say a strained calf muscle. To me, it's almost like the same injury that Kobe Bryant had a couple right. like about three or four years ago with the uh, with the Achilles. Going back on that, do you feel like Kevin Durant hurt his Achilles than more than a strained calf muscle? Um, I think it was a I think it was a, a strained calf based on the days they're saying he's gonna be out. You know, they, they just saying, they just project him to be out for the rest of this series. So that you know that could potentially be what, two two more games, and then like you get like a couple of days in between series. So if they were saying he was gonna miss, you know, the rest of this series and like the first couple of games of the next series, I, I think that was probably more pointing towards a. Uh, Yeah, um, with uh, that injury, the Rockets had that game won. It was in the bubble for them. They, they, they blew it away. James Harden took one shot in the fourth quarter. You're not going to win with James Harden taking one shot in the fourth quarter. You know what I'm saying? He got to be more – he got to be aggressive than, than ever tonight. He has to bring it. The only, like I said, the only way they win when Eric Gordon gave you 20-plus. He had 19 points that other night. I need, I need Chris Paul to give me more than 12 points. And four assists, he got to crack that twenty ball. Like, right. I can't, I can't, I can't get mad at PJ. I got all the shoes tucking because he showed up <laughs> seventeen to thirteen. But you need other guys to step up. You need, you need your Gerald Greens, your Iman Shumpers, your Nene's. You got to step up. Clint Capella got to play like Clint Capella. He's not. I'm start calling. He started playing like Clinton. I'm calling his, his government name. Clinton Capella started. Clinton, Clinton got to play like Clint. He's not playing like Clint. He playing like Clinton. I'm not saying Clintons, ain't that many Clintons in the NBA that can play basketball. I don't think no, any Clintons I know that play basketball is any good out there. So you play like the guys who can't play basketball named Clinton. So Clinton got to step up and play like Clint Capella tonight. If they want to win this game six, the, it's, it, the game, this series is one for them. They got to go out here and set the standard and win this game. If they can all go out tonight and push the tempo and win this game, you talk about a, a game seven going back to Oracle. And, you know, the Warriors not that good in game seven is an elimination. So – in their house, just, just imagine. Or away, right? So right. if they were away, so if they lose this game six tonight, Golden State is in trouble. They are in trouble. Big, like they gave me nine points. He got to come with at least. He got to average about. He got to give me fourteen points and thirteen rebounds. That's the only way they win games. When he have huge double doubles, when he have these single singles out there, them nine points and seven <laughs> rebounds, it's not enough. <laughs> single singles. It's not enough. It's not enough. I want the double. I want the double double. I want that number. I want that number four combo. He's not giving me that. He's giving me a number one with, without the cheese. Everything oh. tastes better when you got cheese. Right, and, uh, right. Like I said, the road guys, their bench players had to step up. Like I said, they win games when Eric Gordon give you twenty plus. They lose games when he's scoring anything under twenty. He had nineteen points. And I looked at the stats. I was like, I said, that's what I said. If they want to win, he got to give me twenty plus. Twenty plus. Anything, anything under that is a failure because this team, when Kevin Durant went down with that injury in the, in the middle of the third quarter, and I thought, okay, all right, Houston, this is, you can make your run. James Harden wasn't attacking a hole enough, like I said. In that fourth quarter, he only, he only tipped it one shot. Where he went, he, he, he's, 
He's not. He, he supposed to be. The, he supposed to be the, the MVP. He's the reigning MVP. Right. He's not playing like the reigning MVP. And so far, this leading up to in these in these games where he has lost. He feels like he's the guy to play basketball. Chris Paul can't crack the twenty ball. Chris Paul has lost speed. He's at the same CP three. He's CP three two point five. Right. <laughs> CP point two point five. Not CP three. He's CP point two point five. Two and a half. Right. <laughs> He can do more. If he can attack the hole a little bit and bring the players to collapse on him, because, you know, if he get down within that that, that six foot and between the basket, between him and the basket, he's a different type of player. Players do collapse on him for the double team and, get, and dump the ball to someone else. But I need the James Harden to come to Houston tonight and bring it. He yeah, has he to. Does. I mean, it's like a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. With KD being out, mm-hmm. like – they can come back and they can win this series. But just like you said, the reigning MVP got to be the MVP. You know, he, he get a lot of uh, nights where he hit, well, I think what I call empty stats, where he's putting up a lot of numbers, but they're really not impacting the game. The game. Exactly, exactly. You stole the so word right out of my mouth. So he, he got to put up points and have impact. So he got to be scoring at times where it can shift the momentum of the game. You know, and give you know Houston more momentum, get a role players more confidence. You know, because then and they'll start. You know, once they see their superstar player, you know, they kind of go as he goes. If he uh in the game making all the right plays, the role players, you know, help him out. You know, especially the Eric Gordon and CP3. You know, they kind of rely heavily on on James and see if he roll. Right. As I'm looking at these guys. When Kevin Durant went down, he had 20 points in the first half. I think he ended the game with 24. So he had 20 points in the first half. He get injured. Steph Curry picked the slack up. He go for 20 points in the second half. It's looking like this team been here before. They won a championship without KD. They know how to they know how to feel to go with that type of lineup, with that smaller lineup, which I call the, the, the death lineup when they go to that lineup. So when you got Draymond Green out there doing Draymond Green things, and he's playing when he's yelling and and playing ferocious like that. That's a hard team to beat. The way you beat them, you have to rough you have to rough them shooters up. They don't like to be touched. Steph Curry or Clay Thompson. And Clay Thompson had a good shooting night. Them guys do not want to be don't want to be touched. But the person I'm gonna give kudos to, the one shiny moment player, was Kevon Looney. He made his he made his size being a filter. He's impactful. He cut cut the off the boards. He was doing a little dirty thing, setting picks, taking the charge, diving to the basket, making easy layups. He was the reason. He on the floor with him out there. I, I think Golden State was a plus eleven with yeah. him on the floor. That's huge. Because any other time he's out there, he don't give you that much. He don't give you that much effort. I always say Golden State never had a real, a, a true big man. They get the big man to just do the little dirty work, grab rebounds, and pass the ball out to the shooter. They number. They ain't nothing but Clay Thompson and Steph Curry rebounders. That's how I look at it. They don't score that many. They find other ways to get them involved. Right. L- Looney definitely did. You know, uh, he impacted the game like more than I was thinking, you know, because the first part of the series, it seemed like they couldn't have him out there because the he, he, couldn't, yeah, he couldn't defend the, uh, the, the hard Capella pick and roll, um, or they would switch him out and make put him on, uh, on Gordon or uh, – or CP3, and he would just kind of like, you know, toy with him, go around yeah. him. Mm-hmm. But this game, you know, he played like a big man. You know, he he did, held down the paint, 
Um, he ran, ran. You know, he did everything Golden State needed him to do. And he, when KD went out, he helped them, you know, speed up their offense because, you know, he can, he can shoot, he can knock down free throws, and he ain't afraid to go to the hoop. You know, he can get them rebounds. You know, it was just they were just well balanced with him on the floor as opposed to yes. No, Andrew Bogut, or you pick a player off that bench. <laughs> All right. So who you got winning? Who you got winning tonight? Uh. So I was actually gonna pick the Warriors tonight. Ooh. I think um I think they close it out. I think you know James Harden and missed a chance last you know game five. You know once KD went down, they should have been doing whatever it took to win that game. And then I would have definitely picked them to win tonight to close out the Warriors, but you know it didn't go that way for them. I'm going with I'm going with the Rockets tonight. I think they're gonna push this to Game Seven. I think they're gonna win Game Seven to Oracle. This is gonna be the last. This is the last year that that building will be standing for what about 47 years or 48 years. I think they're gonna. I think they're gonna go out. The Rockets gonna go out of the bang, and the Rock and the Warriors gonna lose their last home game in that stadium ever. Oh wow. That's how I feel because you can't spell Oracle without the miracle in Cleveland that happened there in Game <laughs> Seven, the NBA Finals. At the okay. end of the day, Oracle at the end spells C L E. So you got to remember, last championship won that building has to be the Cleveland Cavaliers. I need the Rockets to go out there and win this tonight and, fin- and take home Game Seven Sunday. That would be something to see. Uh, before we get off, the Los Angeles Lakers, what they did to Jerron Lou was was uh was distasteful disgraceful and nasty at the same time. You want to bring a man and sign him to be your coach for the Lakers. He wanted a five-year deal. They gave him a three-year deal because LeBron James had three years left in his contract. So they said, we're going to give you three years, but you can't pick your assistants. We want to pick your assistants. They they want to bring him in and make Jason Kidd his assistant coach. So he's They want to do, about- do him like how the Cavs did uh, Black. Like, yeah, we're going to bring Tyron Lewis. <laughs> right. So basically, you know how that story go. So basically, the reason they brought Jason Kidd in, he is from California. He is a California kid. So you're looking at where he was born and raised there. It's like, you know what? Like you said, they're going to do him like David Black. And they're trying to do him the same deal. <laughs> Tyron Lewis said, no, nah, man, I want to come with my guys and my coaching staff. He's got to realize a lot of his guys are in around the league. You got Phil Handy, who's in Toronto, one of his guys. Right. And you still got some other players, I mean, some other uh, assistant coaches still in the Cavaliers roster, too. And some of the coaches still there. You still got the Larry Drews. Which you know he's not with the Cavs no more. The Cavs are right now in the search of a coach, and also you still got James Posey. You still with the Cavaliers, and that. And then you know they parted ways with um, Damian Jones. So you bring Damian Jones into the Lakers, he could be the shooting coach too for the Lakers. So you're looking at some things that Tyron Luke probably want to bring his own staff in. They didn't give him that. So now today the Lakers fans would be holding a protest in front of the stadium. That's crazy about the front office. It all started with Magic Johnson. Is that what he did? That was tragic. Tragic. Uh, Magic, Magic Johnson did some tragic he, things. He knew what it was from the jump. Jenny Buss gave him a head, but hey, look, it ain't going. He started this domino effect. <laughs> right. I think Rob Palinka want to bring his own guy in as a coach. Instead of bringing in Tyron Wu, Timmy Jenny Buss. But the one thing I'm going to say about this, Kirk Rambis said, no, we're going to do this. Kirk Rambis? Do you know his <laughs> record as a head coach? Dude is 44 or 125 or something like that. Yeah. You ain't wanting nothing. But you got to say so? So who going to bring a coach in? Let alone. 
You were the coattail of Magic Johnson when you won championship rings. Second of all, Teron Lue won more games than you, and he doubled that and won an NBA championship, put off one of the greatest comebacks in NBA history. But you're going you gonna to have a you gonna have a say-so? And he can about, coach LeBron. Like, none of right. these other guys can be able to coach LeBron. Right. You, had, you said we're not bringing him in? Come on, man. That's hogwash. That was that was unbelievable. I can't believe Lakers let that happen. Kirk Rambis? Did Jenny Buss listen to him? Did Kirk That's Rambis' crazy. wife say, yeah, I think this would be a good look? That was not a good look. Lakers fans, I'm with you guys. I'll be furious about what's protesting going on about the situation. I'll be protesting too. Man. That's crazy. And they talking about trading LeBron. They just all oh, they just can't get right. But but to piggyback off that, you, you said one thing. Um, you know, about you know, speaking on the Cavs, like how they, they got rid of Larry Drew, you know, they looking for a new coach. I am disappointed in my Cavaliers. So they interviewing like two or three people off the Spurs staff, but I haven't heard Becky Hammond's name mentioned. So I just had to get this off my chest real quick. Yeah. It's unacceptable that she is the best of those coaches that they're going to interview, yet they, I don't know if she's not accepting their calls or she said, turned them down already. Or she just got her eyes on this, you know, being Popovich, replacement. you know, air replacement, yeah. but the Cavs, I don't know if I don't start hearing Becky's name, Becky Hammy's name in their in interview prospects. I know something's going to right, you know, and we're going to be here for another bad coaching replacement to the replacement. So, okay. I hope the Cavs, you know, reach out to Becky Hammond, try to get her on the, on, a, uh, on the board to get an interview in. Because I think she'll be a good coach, you know. What she did in the summer league a few years back, everybody speak highly of her. You know, and it'd just be a good look for her Cleveland organization to have the first woman coach in the NBA. So, I, all right. You, know, I, you mentioned that, so I just had to get that get that off my chest real quick. I like that. I like that. I do respect that. I believe, too, I think females should have a better chance, too, of coaching some of these guys in the league, too. Because I feel like, in the NBA, they trying to make change and doing all the global stuff, which is nice. I'm gonna keep it 100 percent real right here. It's this lady on my Twitter. She used to be the play-by-play caller, sideline reporter, excuse me, sideline reporter for the Charlotte Hornets. Her name is Stephanie Reddy. She was the first African American female to win a, the D. At the time, it was called the D League. The first female to win a D League championship. Oh. That's a nugget right there for you. Yeah, Stephanie yeah, that's Reddy. A, that's a nugget for real. Okay. I, 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 you know, she don't, she don't work for the Charlotte Hornets no more this past season. I told her I was a huge fan. I like what you did. I thought she could be a great coach. She's she not a coach. She's not a coach player. And she was a basketball player herself at, at, on the collegiate level. So, Stephanie, if you don't know who that is, she's on Twitter. Her name is at Stephanie Reddy. I told her when she left Charlotte, I said, we were, I'm going to miss you. She had an ear for the game. She understood the game. And she was she was real respected in the Charlotte area because I live here. She tweeted me. She said, I appreciate you. I like what you're doing. Keep pushing what you're doing. So her name is Stephanie Reddy. Shout out if to you don't know who that is. Stephanie Reddy was the first African-American female to win a D-League championship in the first annual season. Wow. Yeah, big shouts to that. So on that note, this is After Hours Live from the Man Cave. I'm Tay Wiggs. This is Mark Senior. We out of here. Peace. Peace. Yay! Thank you for listening to After Hours Live from the Man Cave Podcast. If you would like to hear more from me and my man Tay Wiggs, please go to your favorite podcast listener and subscribe to us. 
We are just about everywhere nowadays. We're on Stitcher, we're on Spotify, we're on Apple iTunes and Google Podcasts. So if you like what you hear, subscribe to us to hear more. Oh, and before I go, please also hit up our Anchor profile page. That's anchor.fm forward slash after hours live from the man cave. And click that little purple button that says support this podcast and help us out. Peace.